Zombie Podcast Coming at you live today R&B Podcast Your favorite show with Russ and Blake We are gonna talk to you and tell you Something special Welcome back to R&B Podcast with Russ, with Blake. Thank God for this opportunity to have another conversation. This is a Sunday we're recording. Mm. Have we recorded on a Sunday? We have. Yeah, way back when. Mm -hmm. Sunday mornings, evenings. This is a Sunday evening. Sunday evening. God bless. Um, Last week... Russ made a comment that kind of inspired today's conversation. And, um, you know, I've been kind of back and forth throughout my life and my opinion on trust and like being trusting of strangers and being trusting of even people that, you know, um, I'm sure we've all heard the phrase, trust nobody. And a lot of people live by that, but I do not at this point in my life. And uh, part of that is because I'm a man of strong faith and I feel like my faith in God has allowed me to have faith in people that I know personally as well. And especially people that also have faith in God and that, that uh, commonality is very strong, but faith has a lot of other contexts outside of religion, outside of spirituality. Right. Yeah. So that's what we're going to touch on today. Definitely. Um, what is your experience with faith? I'm sure your perception of the word has changed quite a bit over time. For sure. I remember being young and trying to master different movements, whether it be throwing a football or shooting a basketball, and it would become frustrating when I didn't have the results that I wanted. But then one day you kind of make a qualitative leap and you're just able to do something. Right. And I, since you don't have many years behind you, you don't recognize that there's a process of faith working there if you are aware or know what it is. Exactly. So as I got older and kept seeing kind of those qualitative leaps happening and the stress that it took to get there and the time it took to get there, then I realized that there's this kind of general faith that I need to have in my overall process Mm. and um, coming, creating a relationship with that faith, I think has helped me out a lot because I understand that there's really bad days and I understand that there's tough days and stressful ones and ones where what you wanted to happen don't happen. But having faith in that process gets you to that qualitative leap one day that Mm. makes all that stress worth it. And you just keep doing that process in my opinion. Right. And, um, So that's a good way to put it, because um, faith refers to a strong belief or trust in someone or something, often without concrete evidence. It's a conviction that goes beyond mere reason and is deeply personal and often spiritual in nature. nature. Um, So what you described is basically trusting the process, right? So faith is what some would say a blind trust, right, or intense trust. Yeah. And I think that the difference when you say that term, trusting the process, I think the difference in having faith is trusting the process kind of implies that, you know, that within a short period of time, the result should happen. 
we could take the Philadelphia 76ers, for example, because they made it popular for everyone to be like, trust the process in the basketball world. That became their slogan. Right. It went up everywhere, right? They had Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. It was like this huge phenomena. But they needed to win within three to four years or else it was going to dissolve. And everyone kind of knew that because we know how sports work. Mm -hmm. But having faith in the process, that'd be like if you could have that team forever and you just felt like one day you'd reach the pinnacle. But like Mm -hmm. it's all good if it's not super short term because we just enjoy getting to that moment where we're mastery and and Mm -hmm. the qualitative leap has happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. Right. So, yeah. Faith can be like off the, uh, have a longer timeline, I feel like. Yeah, certainly. That makes sense to me. Um, so just changing the, the context of that trust, essentially. Um, elongating the time and then have it in it, it be a little more intense in the, the connection that you would have, I feel. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why the general definition that you read off had the spiritual component. Right. Because that's kind of supposed to be outside of that. Yeah, Parameter. and it's interesting. You think about uh, evolution, like we talked about last week. Um, mm-hmm. There's a point in time where there weren't religions, right? Somebody had to create religion. Somebody had to create spirituality. Those are all concepts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, man didn't start out being a consciously spiritual being, as far as we know, just in terms of being able to, I guess, communicate that and. Um, maybe document it at least. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have had that, that level of emotion still, but there's certainly been a time that had to take place and give us the opportunity to be able to really be conscious and aware of that spirituality and be able to um, share our experience personally with the other people that we interact with too. And so in developing that idea of faith, that's allowed people as a whole to be more collaborative and be trusting and be um have more of this group effort in moving through life and creating civilization Mm -hmm. right so um religion has played such a strong role in developing civilization and um you know there's been times where religions played a large role in destructing uh certain civilizations as well so Mm -hmm. that that passion that comes behind the faith sometimes we've talked about passion in the past where it can spill over and maybe uh, cloud one's judgment or the interpretation may not be exactly where it should be yeah but um for us to be able to collaborate is a very very powerful um i guess privilege really that has had to develop over time Mm -hmm. and it's important that we continue to take that in consideration and use our collaborative abilities so that we can make good decisions and continue to evolve as far as our knowledge and awareness of our faith and spirituality. For sure. You know, and when you contacted me earlier and proposed that we do faith for this episode, I automatically got excited because I do believe faith is one of the best things we can have as human beings. You talked about kind of how it's helped people evolve through time. Well, we were able to have faith that if we invested something or sacrificed something for today, then tomorrow it would be even greater, mm-hmm. right? We do that now with investing, you know, assets and different things. But, you know, our ancestors that had to get to this point did that through storing up food or knowing that something was going to happen in the future. So they ration today, mm-hmm. right? And they have faith that the time will come when they're going to multiply in the future 
for their hard times today. Right. That's a beautiful idea because it usually comes to fruition with people who stay steadfast. Um, and when you were talking about that as a religious component, it also made me think, because we've talked about on this podcast before about like the philosophy of one love and how there's a whole spectrum of ways that people kind of identify with the spirituality of other people. Mm-hmm. And you talk about how faith has sometimes in history caused like wars and violence and whatnot. But I always see that as kind of like the lack of being able to spread like that one love feeling to the neighbor, right? Mm-hmm. Or to the someone very far. You might be able to someone in your vicinity be like, oh, they're just like me and they just want to have love, freedom, mm-hmm. their family. But as someone starts to get further and further, we don't see that same connectedness. Right. And I don't know. I just, the only reason I bring that up is because it would be interesting to see how humanity would play out if we had the same faith in our qualitative leaps as we did for every single other human being right. in the world. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's just a, a lack of understanding, a lack of empathy between different groups. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have to realize that all of these thoughts that we have and us as human beings, we all came from the same origin. Right. So that should be enough for us to feel connected as we see our physical differences or hear our mental differences. Mm-hmm. Um, the concepts and the objectives are what's important. And, um, you know, just between like religious groups, again, for instance, the, if, if a group believes in God, then to worry so much about the details and argue about who's right or wrong about those details is, is kind of arbitrary, right? Mm. We know there is a central origin of the thought. So the, the commonality of believing in a higher power should be enough to unite people. Mm. And when conversations can't be had to see where things do overlap and give people the opportunity to just disagree and agree with certain details um i think that's something that has to change over time if there is going to be a level of peace and um i guess not having this rising tension that often happens when certain discussions are had you know yeah and i think that's where the ideal starts to battle with the discoveries of psychology we've talked about the psychoanalytic field that Sigmund Freud is so famously known for. And he developed the idea of the ego and the id. And we've talked about that, Mm -hmm. but maybe as people are maturing and their brain is developing and that ego might be something that is almost, you can't avoid it. Mm -hmm. It's just part of the process of a brain growth. So that's where you're going to start to differentiate you from the other people around you. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why they always talk about little kids. They see each other and they'll just go play with each other, hug each other, no matter what their race, gender, they just all vibe together until they're taught about the differences that they have. And throughout history, I mean, you could just not never really stop that process of being taught about how you're different from all these things around you. Mm -hmm. Literally. I mean, they talk about how kids will identify with their objects up until they start to have that ego evolution. They'll have things that they see as themselves. Mm. that's very spiritual that's literally thinking that there's nothing that's not oneness with you right right we say one love for just people that's the that's the you know top buddhist idea exactly right that's the highest idea that they talk about and kids just naturally do it Uh uh-huh yeah love is natural and hate is learned you know Mm -hmm. and that's why you talk about the automatic camaraderie between people of a certain age and then it's like all of a sudden when you have all of these um 
ideas and ways of thought and theories and, um, you know, biases and experiences, those things, um, they, they force you to make judgment before you come into contact with someone, whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. You know, some people are able to push that aside and give people an opportunity, but a lot of people don't have that awareness of those biases that they have. For sure. And, <clears throat> and there's like an evolutionary component to it because it would have been necessary for survival in a lot of ways to mm -hmm. be able to like define what your group is and you guys mm -hmm. create safety for each other. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that division is primal. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's why faith is such an interesting thing to try to like place into this conversation mm -hmm. because if the division is primal, then you have to have faith that that love from your origin almost is going to develop back into your life and your environment. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's important to uh, have a foundation between all of that is having faith in yourself. We talk about self love and um, having self faith is very important too. And I'll read this here. It says this refers to the confidence and belief in one's abilities, judgment and potential to achieve goals. It's often linked with self esteem and the trust in one's path, even in the face of uncertainty. Mm. So you don't feel threatened by everyone else's experience, right? And you, you're in a way content with your own being and feel that connectedness and you believe in your abilities. So that gives you an opportunity to do the same for other people. But when people are insecure and they don't believe in themselves, they don't Think that they have self-control they don't think that their beliefs are morally correct and they have all of these these discrepancies within their own thoughts then you oftentimes will project that onto the people around you you know mm -hmm. and so me i feel like i can feel the energy of someone that thinks similar to me and in a way that's because i have faith in myself and i i know how i approach people and how i present my thoughts to them you know mm -hmm. And some people can be a little more erratic in their presentation or um, a little more aggressive in their presentation than I would prefer in if I'm going to consider myself having faith in another person. You know? mm -hmm. And that's a, a little bit of a protective mechanism that I think is necessary that I'd mentioned over time has changed quite a bit. I went through a phase where I trusted everybody because I've do believe in one love but there does have to be a little bit of a limitation to that because some other people don't believe in that concept so even though they are a part of it they may not be fighting for that same idea right yeah and um you know i've gone through a time where i didn't trust anybody like trust nobody i felt like i was betrayed blah 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 we all go through it i feel yeah you've also i don't mean to interrupt you but you've also said on this podcast before that you don't have the you don't want to strive to be a billionaire. You're like, why, why would that yeah. be so much? But the only reason I say that is because some people have just a unlimited idea of the potential that they could go get out mm -hmm. here in the world. So yeah. they're going to remain just unlimited competitive. Yeah. Right? yeah because yeah. they'll always have the desire for more and the drive for more and want to have more. And it's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up though, mm -hmm. because um, that wasn't very long ago. We had that conversation and I've, you know, listen to all these conversations and I get to rethink my thoughts. And I don't necessarily disagree with that I said that, but with me building what I want to build and I have companies and ideas that I expect to develop to a certain point, right? Investments that I want to make over time. 
if I were to do all of the things that I aspire to do, that could potentially happen, right? It's not a yeah. goal. You'd probably just generate. I get what you're saying. Right. I understand what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. So it's interesting when we set goals. Some people would say that, yeah, you should have a set monetary value that you want to reach, but that's not my objective. Right. right. So um, the reason that's so real is because you're automatically thinking about other people. And like right. how you're going to put them in the positions, right? Saying, so it's like, what does me having a billion look like if I just have all these groups of people being autonomous and mm-hmm. working with passion amongst the thing that I'm creating, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's a great thing because that's an ecosystem rather than thinking about yourself right. becoming a billionaire. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I guess I would like for my like family worth to certainly be a number around there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess when we talked about it previously, I was just thinking of me as an individual. But now nothing that I do is really me as an individual. That's right? true. That's All of true. my efforts and everything that I do build is for me and my family. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I am uh, developing my thought over time as I come up on my first year of being a father. Um, you know, in hindsight, it's like, yeah, you probably should think that way when you first get married, right? Mm-hmm. Um but now that I have a daughter and I've had certain discussions with my parents and I have had certain discussions with cousins and we all have this collective thought that we do want to be connected and we do want to grow, um, I would definitely think of that number in a different context of being appropriate for me. Yeah, know? I understand that. Hey, it's great that we're able to do that. It's great <laughs> we're able to revisit old things and kind of tune more of the idea that we want to house for that yeah that's something that is a benefit of this podcast that's that's great yeah and um you know taking that back into faith um my faith in humanity is very high and it again has changed over time i think during covid i thought there was no hope for anybody and mm-hmm. i would get so upset for somebody for like not washing their hands when they come out of the, i still get upset when somebody doesn't wash their hands <laughs> coming out of the bathroom but it had a different level of emotion when i was like i was fighting this battle like i'm trying to save you mm-hmm. and you're being stupid and mm-hmm. careless and lazy right that yeah. was like the the emotion that i have behind that but at this point in time i see I have more empathy. I have more empathy. And I, when people make mistakes or they're careless, I, one, remind myself that I'm not perfect. I make mistakes and, uh, you know, sometimes I'm careless too. And everyone has such different circumstances, mm. you know. But I do believe that the average person wants to be good and wants to do good and wants to succeed in a way that is going to benefit more than the, just themselves, even if they don't say it. Um, you know, by a product, certain behaviors and certain personality types will lead down that path. And I hope to expect that they would realize that at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people don't have faith in humanity. There's a lot of paranoid individuals. And I think that's what creates kind of a environment of hatred and division. Mm-hmm. And so I'll read this here. The faith in humanity is a concept that refers to a belief in the intrinsic goodness empathy and shared values of human beings as a whole it's a trust in the collective human spirit to prevail in times of crisis and believe that humanity can unite for the common good and that's amazing to me i'm like that i can live for that in just itself i have so much else to live for but that is plenty for me to go forth and be fruitful Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and 
put forth the effort that I can to try to help as many other people do that because I can just immediately see how that energy is going to be reciprocated with that mentality. Yeah. You know, there, there's no evil that can prevail if the vast majority thinks in that way. Mm-hmm. Would you mind reading that again, the definition? Faith in humanity. This concept refers to a belief in the intrinsic goodness, empathy, and shared values of human beings as a whole. It's a trust in the collective human spirit to prevail in times of crisis and a belief that humanity can unite for the common good. Man, like you're saying, such a beautiful Mm. definition. The belief in the common spirit, the common spirit of humanity is something that is difficult, right? That, That seems to be the most difficult part of that definition is the belief in the common spirit of humanity and the intrinsic value in america though we technically have a philosophy of intrinsic value and the philosophy of america Mm -hmm. because we all have unalienable um, i'm probably saying that wrong unalienable rights that were provided and are supposed to be protected Mm -hmm. so there's the intrinsic value of the value of a person in that um as far as the collective human spirit that's not found in a document that governs us right not collective human spirit maybe collective american spirit right no and um you know when you say that i think a lot of people probably think of a certain group or type of person that they would count out of that group Mm. even if they believe in that they're like oh accept but it's not except it is everybody right? exactly even the people you hate the yeah. people whose philosophies you hate and the people that you may know hate you exactly yeah. you have to show them a and man such a great point because that is such a freeing idea to be able to see that person with the philosophy you hate that possibly hates you mm-hmm. and see the intrinsic value in their soul and how they're connected to that same source that you are mm-hmm. yeah um we were talking about you know, as far as religion, believing that you're right and having faith in yourself and having faith in your God. And then so with that being said, it can be hard to be accepting of someone who disagrees with you, right? Mm -hmm. Because then that's, that's challenging your faith. That's challenging your beliefs. That's challenging you and your identity at some points, if you identify with your religion, as many people do. Sure. Um, So how do you think that people should expect to overcome that level of difference and try to maintain the idea of oneness and be accepting of that kind of opposing thought? You know, that's a very deep question. And I think there's many ways that people in their own individual beliefs and whatever form of affirmations that they say amongst their household and their belief system works to just raise their own experience without them having to really think about how they're going to handle the people who are super hating on them. You know what I mean? Cause it's almost like they're doing so much and they feel good within their practices and their space and all these things that unless there's a existential threat, I feel like the people that are working on those types of things just automatically don't really think about the hate because they keep affirming themselves to the love. You know what I'm saying? Like their religion is affirming them back to the love. They're saying these prayers are doing these rituals that like are only making them see the love and light of the world. Mm -hmm. So all the darkness and hate can kind of just be blinded to them, which is a great thing because you ask like, how are you going to deal with all that division? If you try to just contemplate on all of it, 
it's just why mm-hmm. it's sad if you want to make some commentary about it i guess that's cool or whatever but if you're just gonna sit there and meditate on like the division and hatred it seems unnecessary mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah definitely but um a good point that you made was the the individual effort and the individual mm-hmm. understanding and i think even within um you know certain groups that do agree we can i don't want to name a certain religion but say religion a it's 10 people that they pray together they go to church together they believe in the same god and have the same values but sometimes they try too hard to understand each other's relationship with God mm-hmm. when really the idea is to understand your own. And the point of evangelism is to expose people to God so that they can develop their relationship as well. Yeah. Sometimes we, we try to make other people walk the same way as us or make other people have that same relationship that we have. And Which is impossible. It's impossible. It's going to look different for everybody. It's going to feel different for everybody. And when you really get into that true relationship, you can't really explain it to anyone else. Mm-hmm. You know? No. No, because even though there is the collective human spirit, like that definition said, we have an idiosyncratic perception of the world. And that's why what makes us all beautiful, they call humans snowflakes. There's no one like you mm-hmm. and all these different things. That's what makes us beautiful, but it also is what makes us all have our own individual walks with God, mm-hmm. you know? And is I, I think, beautiful. Obviously, some people don't like that because you're, like, you're saying they want to force you to believe how they believe and practice how they practice. But, you know, you can't feel how I feel. Right, exactly. All right, so I know there have been many times in my life where my faith has been challenged. And... Obviously, when you're younger and trying to make sense of the world, it's a little easier to be, uh, I guess, persuaded in one way or another. Mm. Um, I had to realize that my faith in God did not require anything to be proven, right? The proof is me being here, Mm. right? And that was a tough discussion to have with a lot of other people that tried to challenge my faith, right? And then that's when I realized that it's my relationship between me and God that matters most. I don't have to prove anything to anybody. Yeah, because you can feel like people are trying to test your idea of what you can become, Mm -hmm. like your potential, Mm -hmm. when you are getting excited on my faith and my walk. I see it developing me into this great person. And then someone kind of attacks your faith. It's like, well, you're attacking my process to develop into my Mm -hmm. highest self. That's my key Mm -hmm. weapon out here. Yeah. My faith. And I even had one time a friend make a comment about my faith, you know, and I kind of took that to heart. And Mm. then I was like, well, they don't know anything about my relationship with God or my walk and my experience, you know. So um, I'll I'll never forget that. And that's someone that I forgave. And um, I would never take that to heart now if someone said that to me because I would think that there's some issue that needs to be addressed. No, there's really no variable of an individual's life that they can judge another person's on without it seeming like it's hate you know what i mean and that's kind of why i think that in the bible one of the laws that are handed to moses is um thou shall not covet and that's just in itself a very broad topic and maybe something we talk about another podcast is coveting but Coveting, like looking at what someone else has and wanting it or wanting to influence it all these different ways. 
it's such a, a detrimental way of going about. That's why I think it's interesting. It's one of the ten. Mm-hmm. Thou shall not covet. Like, yeah. don't look at what anyone else has and try to create ideas about it. Right. All these different things. In my work with these students in the school, that's one of the main things I'll run into. A student will come talk to me like, oh, man, how come, how come when they do this, they're able to do this? And how come with this? I'm just like, this is everything will be easier if you just focus on your goal because you don't know what their group is about, their parents, their support, their documentation. Like, you have no idea what's going on with this person, and you're only wasting your energy trying to yeah. talk to me about why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. It's like, we sit here and create a goal with you. You yeah. know what I mean? What, how are we going to get you to do what you want to do? Yeah, I'm just thinking about how I'm going to carry that with me like through the whole rest of the week very strongly mm-hmm. just because um, we live in a world now where that's like all some people do <laughs> with social media and always being able to see, quote unquote, into other people's lives and their experiences and what they have and what we want, what we think we want. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's like a daily and sometimes constant experience for some people oh yeah and they um, might covet all day long right and be in a culture that covets you know and it's not their fault no it's like what's been developed around us it's like the infrastructure of capitalism at this point right Mm -hmm. (laughs) um well in a lot of ways it's coveting kind of runs the capitalistic system because the desire to have what these other I'm not going to say that. That's strong. That's yeah, it might be a little strong. too deep. It's I'm going to retract to that. Yeah, because because yes. it's the idea that you want better things is what's kind of running it, but it and that doesn't a reason mean that you want those other things. Sure. Right. And it could be because other people have them. But some people could feel like, well, it's really just cuz I want to have nice things and be amongst my mm-hmm. nice stuff. But and I'm not going to More than likely that. they saw somebody else have it first. Probably. Cuz cuz all these styles are created somewhere. Yeah. So And then, you know, most people come from humble beginnings and can think of a time where they had much less but were content and were satisfied. Mm. Um, A lot of people admit to that. Some people are like, no, I've always wanted more, and that's why I got to where I am. And, you know, that aggressive approach works sometimes, but um, I do think that we go through certain levels of life for a reason, and um, I feel like my life is like a book. You know, I can think of the chapters that I've gone through. I can think of a chapter that I don't even remember from like ages zero to four. You know, I had a chapter where I lived in Kansas City, a chapter in growing up in Arizona, the college chapter, and now I'm married and I'm starting a chapter as a father, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that thinking of your life in that way makes it easier to let go of the past and let go of mistakes that you've made and let go of things that you might have felt embarrassed by or um, maybe decisions that you made you don't agree with in your current state, right? Mm -hmm. Because that chapter is gone and this is a new beginning for you. Mm -hmm. And I've gone through certain chapters where it was hard to leave the last one, you know? There there are aspects of it. It's like, man, I didn't really appreciate that while I had it. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, ooh, this aspect of the new chapter, I didn't know it was going to be like this. Like, wow, bills are not fun. Uh, <laughs> Things yeah. like that, you know. But at the same time, I'm so grateful to add on to this story that I'm writing. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always thought of it being so cool when people have autobiographies, right? But we all have a story. There's nothing special about anyone that's actually had a book written about them other than that they had a book written about them. We could all write books about our lives. Yeah, you have a story. Yeah, and it's a beautiful story. Like you said, a snowflake. They're all unique and they all have their ups and downs and little twists and details that um, make them special from the next. And 
when we can see other people's stories or at least pieces of their stories so frequently, sometimes we neglect the most beautiful parts of the chapter that we're in. For sure. And, you know, I love that you're using that imagery as faith because I have a lot of faith that my book is going to be powerful. I have a lot of faith that my book is going to be inspirational. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what I'm saying? I have a, that inspire me and others. You know, I just have faith that this is going to be and is and has been nothing but a divine walk, mm. a story of faith, a story of, you know, overcoming endurance and all these different things that inspire us, mm. inspires. Do you have a, another section there that you could read? Um, for, let's see, we hit talking about religion, talking about ourselves. Um, we haven't really talked about faith in our loved ones yet. Mm. And um, we, we touched on it kind of briefly. But, you know, again, some people say trust nobody. And some people don't even trust their family members, right? But I think that you have to put yourself in a vulnerable state and let people know that you're being vulnerable so that they'll do the same in return. And then that's how you establish that trust, which is, you know, a, a piece of faith. But this definition here for faith in loved ones is this aspect of faith involving placing trust in family, friends, or partners, believing in their honesty, integrity, and reliability, you know? And I've heard, you know, through a whole lot of different conversations, people not considering their family members reliable at times and um, not necessarily feeling like their friends have the best integrity and things like that. Um, you can't choose your family members, but you can choose your friends, right? So I, I never understand why people have friends that they think of that way. You know, none of my friends, I would say, are not trustworthy people. The trustworthy people that I know are not my friends. It's like kind of simple. Sure. <laughs> um, and you're asking the question of why are people friendly or friends with people that they can't trust? Um. Well, that's that's a question I ask myself. Yeah. You know, I think that people deserve having more than one chance, especially, I mean, depending on the severity of this dishonesty we're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. But um, I certainly know I have friends who have friends that they don't trust. They're like, oh, I wouldn't let them in my house without, like, me being there and knowing that they're not going to take something type stuff, yeah. right? And maybe like, why are you spending time with this person <laughs> you know maybe like they just want to flex on them you know i'm reading this book right now a sister soldier wrote called the coldest winter ever and it's a novel she talks about this young girl who her dad was a drug dealer she has all these fancy things and she just is very street smart but she's also very egotistic mm -hmm. and it's like she wants certain friends just so she can flex her like dresses and her mm -hmm. earrings and stuff but she never wants her friends to be on the level she is because she's yes. just like i'm that like yep, yep, but yep. she definitely doesn't trust her friends and it's funny because that's kind of a key point of this book interesting and as i'm reading that i'm like yeah i could see people doing that like kind of keeping people around them they just know they can flex on mm -hmm. so they can feel yeah. good and they can feel like they're dominating some hierarchy that definitely happens but um i mean that's the the consequence of her building uh, a circle that has an ulterior motive behind oh. it, right? And that's that's the rest of the book is these things yeah. are starting to unravel and causing all these terrible things to occur in her life because she was always so focused on that mm -hmm. aspect of just being the coolest looking person in the mm -hmm. club and the drippiest and flexing on everybody. Right. So she never even had the opportunity to really enjoy having friends. <laughs> no. Um, no. And 
I think that happens a lot now too because uh, so many people d- build their friend circle based off of what's being posted on social media mm-hmm. or what they think someone's interests are. And so often we don't have the simple conversations that give us the answers to the things that we choose to imply about someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to see little details that they're sharing with the world and fill in the blanks and then make our judgment, which isn't a very fair way for us to be interacting with each other, but it's certainly becoming more and more common. And, you know, you can make your portrayal of your life, whatever you want on social media with technology, with editing pictures and videos and um, all the other details involved. It's really yours for the making. And I'm, like super big into technological innovations lately. So just like the idea of having a metaverse and really this virtual experience, um, I hope that people are able to remember their faith in this real world that we're living in and real people and real interactions and God and this earth that we walk on. But the the digital world is now going to require us to have a level of faith as we become more involved in more more dedicated as far as our time and even our assets and um basically everything is on the internet right yeah you're right it's going to take a lot of faith as these things grow mm-hmm. it's funny because i was just imagining it would be crazy if one day there was so much involvement in a metaverse that nature was like a hot commodity you know mm. it was like top price to be able to go sit amongst some trees and just have some solitude for a second that might one day yeah. be a premium commodity well yeah i mean for several reasons mm-hmm. right um you could think that nature's withering away yeah i i see mixed reviews on that cuz i know that there's a lot of uh effort to restore and uh, protect nature but there's so much consumption that you know we we say that we can't keep up but there's uh, also technological innovations in that field as well. So only certain things kind of get brought to light and they uh, sometimes take a lot longer than we would expect. So uh, if we were to see something like that happen, there could be a lot of other details involved other than that. Mm. But, um, you know, us, us having faith in the people that are developing this technologies is important because those people have a lot of power. For sure. And, power. and I believe we've kind of touched on this at the beginning, beginning of our podcast. But I also believe that, that you're never going to really be able to have a, the same effect on your brain with technology that you can with nature. Mm-hmm. You know, all these psychological studies come out about people grounding themselves, walking bare feet in the grass and sitting under a tree and meditating and doing yoga, all these super old things that are benefiting people's brains. It's like the oldest tech. Mm-hmm. It's like the oldest practices though. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because you could go to a LA or New York city yoga class, pay $50, hundred dollars to do a class where you're sitting in silence, stretching. It's, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So there's already kind of a market for these simple things, but expanded and you know use your imagination for what it could be in the future yeah yep and like you said a simple thing but i hear so many people say that they can't do it i can't meditate i can't do yoga like i hate it i can't sit in (laughs) silence i mean that's really what it is it's it's that sitting in silence that's hard to do Mm -hmm. you know and it is hard to do when your mind is running at 100 miles per hour to slow it down and maybe get to zero i'm grateful when i'm able to do it because Mm -hmm. i do have so many things to do throughout the day and have a baby and 
places to be and I find myself uh, trying to catch up on podcasts and other things when I'm driving in the car, listening, always listening to something, even if it's not music, I'm listening to somebody talk um, or watching a video and it's just like, you can't always have the input or mm-hmm. else you're going to have an overload. And um, your sleep can't be the only time that you rest your brain or mm-hmm. else you're going to feel burnt out and tired eventually. And yeah, and you say you're grateful to be able to sit in silence, but you're also grateful when you can squat heavy weight and do these workouts yeah. and things of this nature. So I'm just trying to paint. It's interesting because you're grateful for a lot of the acts that are just making you great. And that's a great yeah. thing. You know, yeah. that's why you're able to be who you are. And be inspirational but that's just a great thing to point out is some you can really change up your ideas to be i'm just grateful for all these things that are making me great yeah everything that's part of my routine that i've created i am grateful for because it's there it has a purpose of being there Mm -hmm. you know um Mm -hmm. from me waking up in the morning i'm grateful that i woke up i'm grateful that i have food in my fridge and i have clean water like these things i acknowledge and uh, make a conscious effort to be aware of and not just be on autopilot and overlook these blessings that I have in my life. Mm. You know, I'm grateful for my wife and my daughter. I'm grateful for the kind of people I interact with in my workspace and um, grateful for all the interactions and conversations I'm able to have. And then I, I thank God for safe transportation because it, I'd say all the time, it's like <laughs> the wild, wild west driving on the highways in Arizona. And, um, I was just telling Russ before we recorded about how this guy like almost ran me off the road and um, it made me very upset. And I can see how, you know, I feel like I have very good control over my emotions. So I can see how somebody in that situation would do something that's very extreme Mm -hmm. because what happened, it felt extreme to me. So you like want to retaliate and get your revenge, but it's never a good outcome, right? Um, So I'm grateful that I have that discernment in my action um grateful i could spend all day listening to things that i'm grateful for and and this is where we can always really back into faith because you're talking about these things but you're still not at a super high level or at least where you believe you can get to right i don't think any of us feel like we've reached our potential so that's where faith inserts even when you already feel great Mm -hmm. it's like no no no, but i could be so much greater Mm -hmm. i I could stay on this road Mm -hmm. you know and go hard on dark days i can go hard on hard days and i'm gonna just become amazing yeah well we talk about growth and how so much can change in just an hour if you sit and put in that effort right mm-hmm. as far as the the automatic growth that's going to happen within my daughter when she's a baby right just second to second and then the intentional growth that for us when we're adults the things that we decide to read the input that we choose to let um cloud our senses um is very important and um just some people overlook those things and allow other people to decide what that input's going to be and then wonder why they don't have control of their emotions and control of their actions and things like that. Yeah, and that doesn't feel like freedom to me, you know, <laughs> it doesn't feel like freedom to me if people are controlling no, the not. input into your life. It's not. Um, so, you know, I have had conversations with my dad about what media sources we trust and what media sources we expose ourselves to. and. um I definitely don't have faith in any media source, but I do trust certain media sources, right? Because I need to be aware. That's mm. one thing my dad helped me realize. Like at one point I was like, oh, I'm not going to watch the news. The news is dumb. Like I don't need to know. But 
the things that are being talked about on the news are being talked about for a reason. Mm -hmm. I just have to use discernment of whether or not I believe certain details and how I respond emotionally. And if I make any life decisions based off of what I'm seeing. Yeah. Like could this event possibly occur near me or is it such an anomaly that there's no reason for me to expend emotions on it because right. this is going to happen mm -hmm. again. It's mm -hmm. something so crazy. Yeah. And I went through a time where I felt like I cared about everything and you can't do that. You know, there's only so much you can care about. And, um, in a way I was trying to control what I was caring about by closing myself off to certain things that were taking place, mm. which I now don't think that's the right thing to do because, um, situational awareness and community awareness and all these different levels of awareness, I think are very important. And part of that is just at least understanding what everybody else is seeing, mm -hmm. you know, at least understanding the stories that are being told because there's powers in those stories, whether they're true or not. Yeah. What do, what do you think, uh, you would say to a young kid who's 13 who feels like their life is just terrible and has, is going to have no light at the end of the tunnel and you're trying to maybe talk about faith i'm trying to keep this as a faith conversation mm. but but you know possibly the guardians they have they don't like the situation or they're involved as a governmental you know ward their their yeah. guardians or the government or whatever it is and they just don't feel like there's any reason to have faith because mm. you because we speak from an adult perspective where it's like well daily i'm in control of what i could right, do right, right. but there might be some people to wait a little bit and that's an important question very important and very difficult mm -hmm. to answer there's so many factors yeah. um the understanding of time and we talked about either last week or the week before i think last week how you know five years to us is a lot different than five years to a five-year-old <laughs> when you've only experienced five years it feels like everything but at 50 years old you know that it's a fraction of your experience and also realize that so much can change in that amount of time so speaking to a 13 year old i tried to explain to him that five years is really not that long before you're 18 mm -hmm. and then your whole world's going to be different it could be for worse it will probably be for better if you're really that dissatisfied with what's going on now. If you make an intentional effort to one, make sure you stay on top of your grades and finish high school, which is so big to me. Huge, yeah. Um, and two, try to picture what you want your life to be as an adult. Mm -hmm. Think about all the things that you are dissatisfied about right now. And then think about realistic legal ways to change those things. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, you, think about poverty some kids choose a plethora of routes and a lot of those can lead them into trouble even if there's good intention behind it um then wanting to change their situation and provide for their brothers and sisters or help out their parent maybe uh that has to be viewed in a way that you know there are resources out there and you you can't be ashamed of asking for help and you can't be ashamed of letting people know that you don't know mm -hmm. so um admitting that you're in a vulnerable state is uh, a good quality to have early in life. Cause, um, I know even, you know, you might be pouting or something and if they have a parent that's going to reprimand them for showing their emotions, that's a different situation. But, um, you need to find a way to process those emotions and process those feelings and talk about them and understand them. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, so many factors that go into that. Yeah. Having having the emotional intelligence, which is very hard to expect of a 13-year-old. For sure. Um, having that concept of time, which is very hard for a 13-year-old. And then um, having the, the, the faith in self, 
which is very hard for a 13 year old. All these things are very hard and not only hard to act upon, but hard to even conceptualize at that age, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if someone at that age is able to do those things, then I think it would be very easy for them to persevere forward and, you know, just, just keep on rolling with the punches. Yeah. And you talked about the faith in humanity. Obviously, if your experience of humanity so far has been a little brutal, they've treated you wrong and lied to you and let you down in general, mm-hmm. it can be hard to have faith in overall humanity, whereas we know that, yeah, there's some people that will make those choices, but there's also other people that will give you all types of game and information and set you up for situations if they see your determination towards doing your goal. And it's just interesting because we, as you get older, you start to see that there's just more people that'll help you mm-hmm. genuinely will help you if they see you thriving and striving but for a young kid it's gonna be so hard to tell that there's people that don't have some type of backwards motive that will try yeah. to put you on yeah I, I was gonna say though the least they could do is try to get involved with a sport i think yeah having an area where they can feel like they're in control and feel like they are developing that faith in their self and developing that self-confidence, right? I agree with that as well. It, other than like a 13-year-old starting a sport could just get like pummeled by everyone. Could. Yeah, when like they Giannis could be naturally gifted. What? When did Giannis start playing basketball? That's true. You know, I think it was probably a little later on, but yeah. he also is just like a freak of nature. He's a freak of nature. So not necessarily a sport, but... A hobby. Yeah, something right. that you can you feel can in pick control. Pick up a violin. You can start Dude, writing. Roads towards do... mastery. Like, right, right? That's kind right. of what it is. It's like a road towards mastery. You like start a road towards mastery in some area, and you're going to start yeah. to see all these blessings and vibes come to you. Something to work towards getting better at that can occupy your time and your mind. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Because um, a lot of people that are unhappy feel like they don't have purpose they don't know what they're interested in but at the same time they probably couldn't list many things that they've actually tried for an extended period of time yeah and i love that we're on this now because i started the podcast saying you know i never i didn't have faith that the qualitative leap in my road to mastering a skill would happen when i was younger i would just be working getting frustrated that it hasn't happened yet and then i know where i'd make a couple left hand layups and i'm like oh man i couldn't do that however long ago mm-hmm. there was some type of qualitative leap now i'm able to do this but now and i i don't bring up that example to try to equate like all the things i'm trying to do just with basketball but now i have faith because i understand those qualitative leaps are part of the road to mastery mm-hmm. and they come and they change you literally mm-hmm. and you just keep on going yeah that's interesting cuz i've had kind of a different experience with that journey and um I've talked about how I kind of had this unrealistic confidence at some point in my life. And I had a lot of support from people. So I never really got much negative feedback. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'm great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I stu- still think I'm great. But like I said, different context, different actual technical uh, understanding of what greatness was, right? For sure. Um, but the reason I say that is I think... You know, some people get humbled later in life. Some people start out not believing in themselves as much and may already be, quote unquote, humbled. Um, 
I don't think that it's like the best example in the world, but it's my real life example of being humbled was not getting into nursing school. And that was the first, I guess, real failure that I had in something that was like actually significant to my whole life. Right. Mm. So it's kind of a wake up call to me, but really wasn't dramatic. I had a semester where I got to get to know my now wife <laughs> and um, took some classes that boosted my GPA and uh, retook the Kaplan exam and got a better score and then got into nursing school. Mm. But I had to put forth the effort because I knew I could have tried harder on studying for that exam previously. But I was like, well, my GPA is already this, so I'll be okay. But I wasn't okay. It's a less than 10% acceptance rate. I had this unacceptable confidence going into the situation. But had I only prepared and put forth the effort, then my confidence would have been justified and would have been okay. But I wasn't even doing what I needed to do. And that's what we were talking about before. Mm -hmm. When you have a lot of support sometimes and you have these adjectives thrown at you and nobody's really evaluating your effort and your performance and the verbs behind your name, then sometimes you may not put forth the effort that's necessary because you think that you're more gifted and you think that you already have all that it takes and you think that these things are going to continue to be given to you because you've gotten lucky or or because you've had all this assistance at some point. Now you have to perform on your own and you don't have the capability because you haven't really been putting in the necessary work. Yeah, that's an amazing point. Yeah, amazing so that, that was a wake-up call for me. But luckily... Throughout my sports career, what I meant to say was that I always understood that I had to work hard in the moment, but I also felt like I was very talented. And I also understood that it's going to take me time to get to where I wanted to be. You know, I, there was a point in my life I wanted to be in the NFL, right? I understood that that was a certain amount of time away. I was never dissatisfied with my current state because I knew that I worked hard. And that's what I say as far as needing to focus on the verbs and the actions behind it, because I've always been a hard worker. And then the one time I failed significantly in college was because I wasn't putting in the work. Mm. And so it was a very easy correlation for me to see, you know, when I actually put forth the effort that's necessary, I succeed. And I understand that there will be times still where I do fail when I put in the necessary effort, but the probability is much, much higher of me succeeding when I at least try my best. And so again, that's what I would tell to a 13 year old as well, that as long as you keep trying, as long as you want to change this situation, you have an idea of where you want to be, you know, the, your, the direction you're going can change, the end destination can change, but just know that this will take time but your effort will put you where you need to be. Yeah, and that's having faith that God's going to take me there mm. and continue to lead me as long as I continue to try. That's amazing, bro. So this is an older study all the way back from 2015 by the Psychology of Sport and Exercise, but they showed that self-belief is strongly correlated with athletic performance. Mm. And I think it's safe to say that self-belief is probably correlated with uh, high performance in anything, mm -hmm. right? Um, because we talked about having faith in the journey and the process, and um, that requires having faith in yourself because you're the one that's putting the effort forth throughout that journey, right? Mm -hmm. So all that's going to do is allow you to put in the work that's necessary to perform at the level you want to. And you'll most likely be imagining better outcomes 
right right before you're doing the performance and probably when you rest your head at night you're going to be imagining that you're going to do better Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. that's a tool because in a way if you've already seen yourself fail you know what that looks like at least Mm -hmm. and then so if you've at least seen a very small improvement after you've put in that repetitive effort you know doing the same thing over and over trying to perfect whatever it is you're getting better at um seeing the smallest bit of improvement can allow you on quote unquote game day to really peak in your performance for sure because that little film that goes on in your head you can archive that and remember it and Mm -hmm. that's so powerful Mm-hmm. you know and okay now we have something to correlate to because in the bible it talks about the faith of a mustard seed mm. that is the same kind of idea of the faith of a mustard seed you could have one positive play in your mind where you did what you were supposed to do the right way and just keep replaying that and that's going to fuel you mm-hmm. fuel you to be able to perform better because you're only going to be thinking about that positive play and even if it's only one that's why it's like the mustard seed it could grow into a whole performance of mm-hmm. great work right right Yep, growth is very important. We've talked about um, growth mindset and related to the Garden of Eden and talk about being fruitful and multiply and all these concepts, they tie into each other, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so this has been great. Um, I think that it's allowed me to have a more, uh, I guess, descriptive understanding of really what my faith means to me. You mm-hmm. know? And the different aspects of faith that I have in my life, right? And uh, I hope that everyone listening is able to relate it to their own life, relate it to their relationships, to their professional endeavors, athletic efforts, and so have you. Um, faith is such an important thing to try to develop, whether it's in your religion or just in yourself. So um, I thank everybody for making it to this point. Mm-hmm. And just remember to like to share, to subscribe to our page. Share with somebody that you care about, somebody you have faith in, please. And uh, Russ, you got anything, closing remarks? Yeah, I just want to say, you know, I have faith that we're sitting in the right spot doing the right thing right now. Mm -hmm. And I have faith that we'll grow from all this and that the people listening will be able to enhance their life with what we've talked about. Mm -hmm. So do I. So do I. And with that, I suppose, like last week, we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.